The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. Welcome to the Wednesday, August 17th, 2022 electronic meeting of the Ann Arbor Transportation Commission. This meeting is being held electronically to protect public health and safety. We'll conduct this meeting similarly to an in-person meeting. Public comment will be via telephone or Zoom only. To speak during any of the public comment opportunities, please call 206-337-9723 and enter meeting ID number 960 8200 or join via the Zoom link. This information is also available on the agenda in the public notices section of the city website and on the broadcast of this meeting. Uh, Raymond, will you please call the roll? I will indeed. And as a reminder, uh, please mention where you are calling in from uh, when you say whether or not you're here. All right, Commissioner Boland. I'm here from Ann Arbor. 
Councilmember Briggs. Here in Ann Arbor. Commissioner Broven. Here from Ann Arbor. Commissioner Hadamaki. Here from Ann Arbor. Commissioner Halk. Here from Ann Arbor. Commissioner Keeler. Here from Ann Arbor. Commissioner Kleinman. Here from Ann Arbor. Commissioner Lee. I am here from Ann Arbor. Commissioner Smith. I'm here from Carroll County, Indiana. Mm. Commissioner Wannenkoff. Here from Ann Arbor. Uh, Commissioner Hess is here from Ann Arbor. Uh, Commissioner Hutchinson. Here from Ann Arbor. Uh, Commissioner Margolis uh, sends her regrets that she wasn't able to make it. Uh, Lieutenant Mike Sherba. Here tonight from um, Tyrone Township. And Commissioner Stupka absent. And Molly, we do have quorum. Great, thank you. Um, next we'll move to approval of the consent agenda. So there are two items on the consent agenda, approval of tonight's agenda and approval of the minutes from our last meeting. Are there any modifications to the consent agenda? All right, I'm not seeing any. Is there a motion to approve the consent agenda as presented? Uh, I'll move to approve. Uh, thanks, I saw um, Juan Wu, uh, and then can I get a second? I saw, I think I saw Julie next, so I'll go with Julie. Uh, all those in favor of the motion, uh, raise your hand if you're on video or say yes if you're on audio. Yes. Yeah. Great, all those opposed? Uh, and uh, any abstentions? No, okay. Consent agenda is approved. Uh, Thank you. Next up, we are ready for uh, public comment. So this is an opportunity for people to speak for up to three minutes. Please call 206-337-9723 and enter meeting ID number 960-2232-8200 or connect via Zoom. City staff will select callers that have raised their hand by using the last three digits of your phone number or your Zoom ID. In order to raise your hand to indicate your desire to speak, please press star nine on your phone or select the raise hand button in Zoom. You will hear an automated announcement that the host is allowing you to speak. Uh, do we have any public comments tonight? Oh, you're, you're, you're muted. Yeah, thank you. We do indeed. The first is uh, Clark Chernetsky. Clark, I have unmuted you um, and I'll permit you to speak and the floor is yours. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, I know for several years now I've been bugging you about the walkway, the walkway or pathway along Nixon Road to Traver to Logan School. Happy to say that the project is underway. It's about half done. In fact, the beep, beep, beeps from the construction trucks that I hear are music to my ears. Another project uh, near me uh, is the north end of Huron Parkway and and uh, and that is also underway. Uh, on capital improvement projects, I want to put in plugs again for the Ann Arbor Station replacement, for the uh, Bandemir-Barton uh, tunnel under the tracks, and uh, also the Gallup Parkway uh, Arboretum tunnel under the tracks. I think these are projects that are all needed and welcome. 
Also, I'd like to, on behalf of myself and the Michigan Association of Railroad Passengers, wish uh, Eli Cooper a happy retirement. He really worked hard on the Ann Arbor station, still have work to go, but he's laid the groundwork for it. And I hope uh, within a few years that can start up again. So thank you very much. Thank you. Any other comments? Yes, Molly, we do have um, Adam Jaskowitz. Um, Adam, I have allowed you to talk. Go ahead and unmute yourself and the floor is yours. Hello, this is Adam Jaskowitz um, calling from Ann Arbor. I live in the fourth ward, 1430 Las Vegas Drive. Um, I'd like to echo the previous commenter um, on tunnels under the railroad tracks. I think that those those connections are essential to our community, the railroad um, is a pretty big barrier and it's just not safe to have what, what basically what ends up happening is people walk across the tracks, right? You can put up fences, um, whatever, they still do it. Um, you know, you can give them tickets, arrest them, whatever, they still do it. Right. So we've got to get those safe crossings, tunnels under the tracks, bridges, whatever we need to do to get people under the tracks at the ARB, at Bandemir Park, um, and, you know, wherever else makes sense. But I think those are the two biggest locations. But the main thing I wanted to talk about tonight is um, I noticed on the agenda, the um, resolution to ban right turn on red and, and left turn on red downtown. Um, and I think that is a great idea. Um, I, I would say that uh, I haven't been hit by a car while walking or riding my bike, um, but I've had a number of close calls over the years, and uh, most of them involve right or left turn on red. Um, the other one that I've that I've seen a lot is people not stopping at the stop line and just you know blasting through up to basically the curb line, um, you know, without paying attention to anybody walking across the crosswalk in front of them that I mean the, the right turn on red, I think will help with that a bit, but that's, a, that's another thing to look at at some point. I'm not sure how the best way to address that is, but right and left turn on red downtown is a huge thing. And I'm super glad to see this on the agenda. Um, one thing I would like to mention is the, I think the fifth whereas clause mentions leading pedestrian intervals. Um, and I think that those are really nice as well. Thank you. Oh, and I just, I think that, um, that's mentioned in the whereas clause. I didn't see anything about it in resolved clauses. I don't know if there's some way that we could encourage more of those. Um, and so that's why I wanted to mention that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, any more uh, public comments? Um, that is our last. Okay, great. Uh, well, thank you to everyone who called in today. And next we are taking moving on to business, the first item of which is the no turn on red downtown. Uh, so Council Member Briggs has drafted a resolution for us to consider that would restrict uh, turns on red in the downtown core. Um, and now I will just, I'll just turn it over to you, Erica, to uh, lead this conversation. Yeah, I'll start with a 
just a fairly brief introduction to it, um, and then I can answer any more questions, but just welcome your thoughts. So um, this is something that the concept of no right term on red and, and also basically no turn on red downtown um, is something that's been um, discussed for a long time as part of the pedestrian access and um, pedestrian safety and access task force report, um, and it's come up um, quite a few quite a bit through, through the years in discussions, staff has certainly discussed this as well. Um, this is one of the things that um, wanted to move forward in terms of, you know, things from the Transportation Commission um, coming to coming to City Council. Um, you know, I, I welcome any, any feedback on this. Currently, um, it was developed with input from staff and uh, Chair Kleinman. Um, DDA has had an opportunity to um, provide feedback on it, um, as well as the ride. Um, currently, what uh, the wording um, in it, I believe, is um, providing more latitude, essentially, for um, staff to determine which of those intersections in um, the downtown area um, transit would be exempted from the from these turning movements, we don't want to kind of hold up transit downtown. And there's maybe a few intersections um, downtown that, that warrant this, but in terms of education to fleets, that's a pretty easy one to, to make sure that, um, to follow up on if there's any issues, but um, I think the ride's very capable of, of you know, respecting pedestrians, um, they recognize the value. So anyway, I'm just gonna leave it at that. Welcome any feedback um, in terms of improving this resolution. Um, and basically looking for a recommendation of support um, to take it to council. Great, thanks. Any comments or questions? Uh, yeah, Brett. Um, the first resolved clause, um, at least in the version I, I'm looking at, um, uh, doesn't seem to complete the sentence of the boundary, the area is bordered, just as the area is bordered by Kingsley State, Hoover and First and um, is that just like a, a draft issue or something? I don't, I don't know. But I'm generally curious, is, is it intended to be the, the DDA or um, would this be beyond the DDA? I'm gonna let Mr. Hess speak to that boundary. Yeah, so the, the first grammar question, I, I think what that's meant to address, it, whenever we have the second to final resolve clause, it's, there's always like a, you know, just an ant, so it's just a connector between the first and second resolve clause. So oh. there's no, there, there's not missing language there. It's just oh, like okay. this and this. So that's much smaller than the DDA. Okay. Yeah, and then if there were multiple areas, or if there are multiple resolve clauses, they would be semicolon, semicolon, and then the second to last would be and, and then the final one. As to the area, you know, I, I don't think there's a right answer to this. So I, this is definitely something I, you know, staff is up open to suggestions on. Um, the the two ideas that were originally put forth was the DDA area. Um, but if you're familiar with the DDA boundaries, they're not entirely probably known to most people. <laughs> um, they, they tend to follow a very polygonish sort of, uh, you know, boundary. Um, there are some areas that are not in the DDA that you think might be, and there are other areas um, in the DDA that you would be surprised to be in the DDA. So what we thought as staff is just create a box around downtown, make sure we capture Carytown. So that's why, you know, the Northern boundary 
uh, is identified as Kingsley. Um, we took it all the way south to Hoover because there's just all the, you know, student activity that comes in from campus into downtown um, all the way down to Hoover. Um, and then using, you know, State Street as the, the eastern boundary seemed to make the most sense because State Street runs that whole length just so we didn't create a sort of zigzag. You know, if we were to use something else like, um, you know, um, uh, Ingalls or Thayer or something like that, it just wouldn't necessarily make for a, a nice boundary. Um, and then on the western side using first, just because it's kind of where that edge of the, the DDA cycle track area is. But that's all to say that that geography, we're not wedded to that geography. If, if this commission thinks that geography should be changed, it was just something that staff proposed as something, you know, fairly easily definable. Um, yeah. Julie. Yeah, so I think this is a, a great initiative and I, I strongly support it. I just have a logistics question. So if council passes it, does it immediately go into effect? And like, how would the education piece of it work? Um, again, I, I might defer to staff on kind of the implementation piece of this. Um, I think that you're right, there isn't necessarily a, a date that is, um, you know, outlined within this. We could certainly include that as, you know, a, a time frame by which point this, you know, should be implemented. I think much of the education around this comes with the signage that gets put up at, inter at this intersection. So, so I think, you know, I could imagine there might be an MLive article on this, but I think the ongoing education is really just related to the signage and, and enforcement that might happen. So. <laughs> Lieutenant Sherman may have some thoughts on this. <laughs> oh, you're muted. Oh, I was hitting the wrong button. Uh, typically, when we see a change like this, what we'll do is kind of put the word out to our officers that this is a new, uh, new signage, new protocol downtown. So we'll ask our officers to enforce it, but typically give warnings. Um, for a while. Um, and that's sometimes there's a, like a pamphlet or a handout that goes along with it, depending on the type of enforcement or change that we're looking at. And this, in this case, what we might do is just do a kind of a directed enforcement where we do a lot of, try to do a lot of stops, but primarily give warnings and that gets the word out and then maybe get all along with M live and put something down on our, on our uh, Facebook page, things like that to kind of get the word out. Other questions or comments? Megan. I just think this is a very good idea. I'm very excited um, to be discussing it. I think like, as our caller said, um, a lot of the close calls that I've had have resulted in people just like not stopping at all at the stoplight, at the stop line and just trying to go immediately to turn. Um, so I'm very excited to be discussing this. I think um, just to point out as we try to implement this, I think we are going to want to be like really paying attention to signage um, and kind of like we just discussed, making sure that the word gets out. Um, I know that we got a public comment through email this week about signage about turning across the bikeways. Um, and there was some speculation that 
maybe drivers couldn't see it very well. So I think, I think I remember having a discussion about um, signage in at the intersections being an issue. So I guess that's, I don't know if we have more information on that, um, but it, it's something that I'm kind of thinking about. Not definitely not a reason to not do it. I think um, this is great. So thank you. Yeah, I remember that came up when we had our presentation from Cynthia a few a few months ago about the logistics of implementing something like this. Um, but it sounds very surmountable. Other questions? Oh, Raymond, go ahead. I was just going to say, I've had the signs and signals team look into the signage, and they've already kind of put together an estimate of what it would take to do it. So they didn't raise any initial red flags in terms of the ability to sign it. Um, you know, every intersection may have slight variation just based on the sort of infrastructure that's out there and what we can attach to and affix to. But, um, you know, they're, they're, they've already looked into it. So we, we have, we think a pretty good handle on what the capabilities are out there. Awesome. That's exciting. Thank you. Do we have a sense of how long it's likely to take, like between councils passing this and actually getting the signage up? Like, yeah, I would just ask for a little bit of um, grace period. Um, we're going into the busy season because our signs and signals team puts in a lot of overtime hours for football because they single-handedly manage all the traffic for football. And the first game is like two and a half weeks away. It's hard to believe. Um, so, it, the, you know, we're not reluctant to do the work. It's just programming it with all the other stuff we have going on. So um, normally our sign shop is pretty good about turning um, that stuff around. Um, the only thing I will say is some of these, actually, probably many of them will have to get up in the bucket truck to attach this. I normally you want a no turn on red somewhere in the vicinity of where the signal is, right? Because you want people to draw people's attention to it. So it's a little bit more, um, requires a little bit more work to install those. Um, I, I can get a better, um, you know, sense on the timeline needed and, and maybe Erica, um, before this goes to council, I can give you some cost estimates and timeline. So then that way, what goes to council can actually bake in maybe a, a, some considerations in that regards as well. And I, I guess on that point, our previous discussions suggested that this wouldn't require necessarily a budget amendment, that it felt like there was existing resources potentially to do this. Does that still feel um, like the case? Yeah, I think I think that's true. Um, yeah, um, I they just have a, an estimate in terms of what how much yeah. staff time it would cost. So yeah, okay. So and I yeah you know, I think that's an important consideration for for this group as well. Obviously, if it's not requiring a bunch of amendment, that's you know that's pulling from existing. Just just there might be some some small things that are not moving forward as well, I guess. I don't know if there's any implications on, on existing work that you might want to might want to share. Great. Oh, go ahead, Raymond. Okay. Um, one move. Uh, thanks. Yeah, no, just wanted to say uh, I'm going to be in support of this. Makes sense. We're not the first community to do this. Um, Bloomington, Indiana, looks like they basically passed this in 2021. Um, so another college town, you know, Midwestern Big Ten town. So uh, the question I have is on, do we have any um, evaluatory frameworks to uh, see? I mean, like, has this caused, you know, are we going to create like a benchmark for saying, hey, six, 12 months from now, have we seen like a 
you know, uh, a non-spurious decrease or decrease in, you know, uh, crashes or something along those lines, just to evaluate. Um, so just thinking about that framework of saying, hey, do we have any check-in points to make sure that this has actually improved? And the other question I have is just movement of goods for downtown businesses. Um, have there been any feedback, you know, and what does this do to, I, I know delivery truck drivers are on like very tight schedules um, and they'll, they'll go into alleyways and things of that nature. And so just, um, has, has there been any discussions with local businesses and getting their feedback um, or, or any of the logistics kind of like goods providers on whether that's negative? I, and again, don't get me wrong. I leading off with, I am in support. I'm also just trying to make sure that, you know, um, you know, uh, delivery goods drivers and, and our local businesses uh, won't have a negative impact. That not that I could see initially, but I'm just trying to think from their standpoint as well. So, um, so I'm wondering if there's been engagement with you know local businesses or delivery truck drivers uh, slash like logistics folks, and then also the evaluative framework. Those are the two things I just had a question on. Overall, in favor. Can maybe take the first one, Erica. Um, so related to an evaluation framework, you know, we we do produce this annual crash report, and that's really what I think we would be looking at to see, you know, what are the crash patterns happening downtown, and especially in this ge geography that we've identified. Um, you know, you may recall from our past presentation that um, the no turn on red doesn't seem to be a, a prevalent crash pattern downtown, but, you know, I think to the points that have been made, it does account for a lot of near misses. And, you know, from our staff perspective, we're supportive of this because it's really about setting a context for downtown that really, you know, the predominant movements are largely pedestrian, uh, followed by, you know, transit and, and cycling, and that motorists should just be more attentive of some of those activities in the downtown area. So, um, so I, I just say all that to temper some expectations that, you know, this you know, may not move the needle hugely on, you know, the crash patterns, but that's still not to say it's not worth pursuing, right? Um, so, but we can monitor that crash report in that space and, and see if there are any trends that uh, change over time. Gosh, and I guess I would also add to that thought process that um, the, the concept of cars inching out as they create, you know, even if it's not like a direct result creates kind of a, more you know auto-centric configuration that makes pedestrians have to reconfigure and you know kind of walk around so even if it's not like a direct correlation i i think the the confinement of it and the onus really should be you know on the driver to a certain extent you have to get licensed to drive so there's an expectation that a, a motor vehicle operator has a little more of a sense of um a civic duty to be more careful uh, all of that said, yeah, so I totally understood. I appreciate the comment that, you know, while we don't have necessarily direct correlation, but uh, the evaluative framework, I think, still will be helpful just to make sure that we're, you know, making data-driven decisions. So um, we yeah. did we did talk, too, about um, keeping in close contact with the AAATA about the impacts on transit and um, yeah, I saw that so that we can so we can sort of tweak as necessary. Um, D depending on how things are going with being, they're being able to make turns where they need to. Erica, you were going to say something? Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. I think um, we're obviously making accommodations for, for transit to turn. Obviously, if transit is behind other vehicles, that could have 
an impact on transit as well. And so um, I'm sure um, the ride will be monitoring those times and that will be one point of data to determine if we've somehow, um, you know, this is a policy decision that, you know, really hasn't resulted in much increased pedestrian safety, but has resulted in a decrease in, in transit um, service. You know, service. And so that would, that would be something that we'd want to look at. Hopefully, you know, hopefully we at least looking at articles from other communities and things like that. I don't think that we've seen indications that that's kind of been the result, but um, certainly something we should just monitor and make sure um, there hasn't been, and in terms of kind of outreach to business community, um, there hasn't been direct outreach like to, I haven't reached out to the different street associations or anything like that to kind of let them know that this is coming. It's probably not a um, necessarily a bad idea not to do, but um, did reach out to the DDA um, and, you know, for some input, obviously they're, um, they would have some, some interest in the, um, the economic impact of this as well. So, um, but it, you know, I, I suspect this will be met with mixed reactions in terms of different vantage points, but I think this is very much in line with, with our planning efforts and um, the direction that we're trying to head in terms of the, the climate and of, of comfort that we're, we're seeking to develop in the downtown, which is certainly good for those downtown businesses when their customers feel comfortable, you know, getting into those businesses. Yeah, uh, no, I think that makes sense. I, I would think that it's a um, it might be worthwhile to at least give the different, you know, Main Street Association, State Street Associations a heads up. Um, we, we did talk about this also. Um, I was listening in on planning uh, as they were talking about the TC1 zones and the, the setback requirements. The closer the buildings are, and the, the, you know, no setbacks equal much smaller lines of visibility if you're driving in a car. Um, so, you know, downtown buildings being pretty much brought up to the parcel line we do want to make sure that we are, you know, kind of keeping vehicles as slow as possible. Um, so no, overall in favor, thank you for the responses on both of those. Um, yeah, overall, good by me, <laughs> I'll vote and support, so. Thank you. Any other comments or questions? All right, uh, so I think we are ready to vote on this. Do I have a motion to recommend approval of the proposed resolution to restrict turn on red in the downtown area uh, as included in the packet and forward it along to city council for their consideration? Uh, I saw Wang Wu first and a second by Megan. Uh, oh, Suzette, great. I never know if I can just pick another person who moved the first time for the second, but anyway, Suzette, raise your hand. So we're gonna go with that. Uh, okay. All those in favor of the motion, please physically raise your hand if you're on video or say yes if you're on audio. Yes. Yes. Great. All those opposed? Any abstentions? All right, the motion passes unanimously. We are gonna recommend no turn on red downtown to city council. Very, I'm really excited about this one. This is great. Um, next item of business. Uh, is the Traffic Calming Committee Charter. So at last month's meeting, we decided to create a Traffic Calming Committee and um, Commissioner Smith and Briggs and myself volunteered to serve on the committee. Uh, we, what we usually do is we establish a, a charter um, to outline expectations of the, of the charge and the commitment. And um, often we sort of, we wanna like determine what the work is and also when the work is done. We don't usually uh, charter 
uh, like committees that go on forever. Uh, although you may recall that with the Vision Zero committee, there was there's some open endedness there because of the nature of that one. Uh, so uh, Raymond drafted the uh, charter that was attached in our packet, largely based on the last traffic calming task force charter, which was uh, in 2018. Uh, and I'm going to turn it over to Raymond to walk us through and see if we've got any changes or edits before we vote on it. Yes, thank you, Molly. Let me share my screen here. Make sure I have the right screen showing. All right, hopefully you're seeing the Traffic Calming Committee Charter up on screen. All right, I've seen a couple thumbs up. All right, so uh, as Molly indicated, this is, a lot of this language is borrowed from um, the the traffic calming task force okay. that was established back in 2018. I believe um, beloved Linda Diane Felt helped draft that one back then. And so some of this language is pilfered directly from that. And really this is just meant to help, um, you know, establish the charge of the committee. Um, it's not something I would say we refer back to on a regular basis because these things kind of change over time, but it's really good just to have some expectations and some groundwork laid. So um, really the meat and potatoes is, as I see it, um, is under the scope of work. Um, and um, you, know, you have a series of bullets about um, looking back at the speed reduction committee. Um, you know, if there are any outstanding recommendations that are coming from that, I would hope most of those are, are addressed, but there still might be some lingering things that we should uh, tie up if need be. Um, looking at the existing traffic calming program and evaluate it. Um, you know, coordinate with the Transportation Commission itself on how to improve the existing traffic calming program, um, look at other background information and kind of best practices and peer communities, what's happening to see if there's things that we can kind of plagiarize uh, and, and incorporate here locally. Um, also really kind of weighing this uh, idea of, you know, what is our capacity to handle these, both in terms of, you know, staff resources and financial resources, um, and I think this also has an implication, uh, Molly, right before the meeting mentioned to me, just the, the length of time it takes to get through the process. Um, so maybe there's some additional language needed here uh, in that space. Um, then, you know, staff is here for support. So obviously, you know, just establishing that relationship with staff um, that, you know, we're here to support you. Um, and then as I think, you know, we've been giving you updates, there's this major streets um, speed management program, which was formerly called the major streets traffic calming program, making sure that there's some synergy uh, between what changes are proposed with the neighborhood program and that program. Um, and then just looking at, you know, other suggestions that are coming out of the Vision Zero task force, um, the speed reduction committee report, and any other Vision Zero recommendations and how that might have bearing on the traffic calming recommendations. So that's kind of a quick overview of um, what's included therein. Um, and then also just in terms of composition, we already have three volunteers. Uh, this is verbatim to what we had last time. Uh, I think at the last meeting, we even mentioned that if there are some external uh, members from the public that wish to join, that uh, that was a possibility. So that's a, um, identified here. 
Um, in terms of duration, I just am kind of spitballing, but I'm suggesting three to six meetings over the next year. Part of that should be to align with the major streets uh, speed management, because in theory, I'd like to take a package to council to say, like, here's what we're proposing to change with the existing program. And here's a new program we're proposing. It'd be good to kind of bundle those together. So then that way we have a synchronized program. Um, yeah, so I'll stop there. and. Um, turn it back over to the commission. Great, thank you. Questions, comments, feedback? Molly, uh, uh, this is Brian. Mm -hmm. Go for can it. Uh, this is Brian Smith. Uh, <clears throat> so I, I volunteered uh, in part because I'm personally interested, but also trans uh, this uh, and I, I continue to think that's important. One of the reasons I'm calling from Carroll County, uh, Indiana, is that I have set a position uh, in Lafayette, Indiana. So it won't be me, but I will uh, do my utmost to suggest that my other uh, alternates for uh, AATA uh, continue to, to volunteer to be on this committee. Okay. Thank, congratulations on the new job and um, thanks for thanks. that. Um, that's helpful to know. And it might be uh, like at this point, it might be helpful to sort of open it up if one more commissioner um, wants to volunteer, since I'm sure there will be a transition period um, to the new person. We can just put that out there. Um, other questions or comments? Yeah, I, so I have a couple questions. One of them is, given the shift with major streets to the language around speed reduction, I think with the neighborhood streets, I don't know if speed reduction, if like if we want to include that, if it's if we're talking about traffic calming and speed reduction, or if really in the neighborhoods speed isn't the issue. Um, I don't know what you think about that, Raymond. Well, I think the traffic calming program, I would say, probably fits into two categories. Speed reduction is one, but then also discouraging cut through traffic is the other, which may or may not mean speeding. Um, so sometimes some of those vertical devices, you know, speed humps, things you drive over are meant to kind of discourage people who don't live in the neighborhood cutting through that neighborhood. Um, and, you know, in some instances, we run into petitions where the 85th percentile or any of our speed metrics, actually there, there is not a speeding problem, but there's still does it like Northside is a great example. Um, you know, Northside had traffic calming installed several years ago. They came back and repetitioned wanting more devices. Um, it looked like the majority of traffic was going 20 miles per hour or below, but because they had a strong enough petition, um, you know, in terms of signatures, we still, you know, entertained that. So, so yes, speed management, I think, is a, is a big part of the program, but it's, I would, I would caution you to say it's the only part of the program. Yeah, that's helpful. Um, Erica. Yeah, and I, I guess on your latter point, I, I have a question, but just to kind of follow up when you said it. I think we might want to discuss this concept of cut through traffic. Obviously, a lot of folks don't want to see folks driving through the neighborhood. I'm not sure that the issue is so much that a car decides to deviate through a neighborhood, but kind of the, their behavior when they do so. Um, and so, you know, if they're trying to avoid an arterial street 
because they want to go faster through the neighborhood. <laughs> that's, you know, that's, that's where it starts becoming problematic. Um, I do think we need to start thinking about all of our streets as like sort of, they're all public spaces and they <laughs> traffic, regardless of where they're at, needs to behave in a, an appropriate fashion. Um, but the one piece that I, and I don't know if this feels too big for the scope um, to add the addition, but one of the things that I'm hearing when, I, when I'm when i out and about is that, you know, if a if street's getting resurfaced, um, why are we not taking that as an opportunity to put in some um, potentially add in some traffic calming measures as we go along with that program. Some things that we, especially if we know that there's been some um, some complaints or we can just anticipate that there might be in certain areas. And so obviously that would increase increase the cost of the street resurfacing program, but um, might get us more quickly through this concept of um, building out our streets for the future um, the way we want to see them. So um, I don't know, I would love to have at least some discussion of that um, within the scope, within this committee, but I don't know if that feels like I'm now bringing too much into this, so. It's certainly on my list. I think it's, I think, you know, it would make sense to make it explicit in the charter. To I would agree with that. Investigating that possibility. Great. I, I can't tell if I'm freezing or not. You oh, froze up. It was me. I froze. But well, we can still hear you. Um, <laughs> I'm going to turn off my video. This is happening to me earlier. Um, okay, I see Julie's hand up. Yeah, I just want to um, say I, I agree uh, strongly with Erica's point, and I think it would increase the sort of systematicity of our. Um, improvements so that it's not so squeaky wheel driven, which has always kind of bothered me. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, a great point. Raymond, would you be willing to pull up the language and we can maybe like figure out some, at least a placeholder um, for what we're trying to get at in the, um, in the charter. And then we can also, there's another thing I wanted to look at in there too. So you can just keep it up for a second. Um, so I think this probably goes so like after additional. So discuss additional opportunities to improve the existing traffic calming program with consideration of limitations to staff capacity and financial resources and the importance of compliance with safety and industry best practices. This is the line I wanted to revise anyway. Um, and I wonder if maybe we can sort of uh, list out so some possibilities. So like we talk about with consideration of limitations, but I think I would I would frame that in a slightly um, more active way. So additional opportunities to improve the existing traffic calming program, such as improving the time from petition to uh, evaluation, um, a, reducing backlogs. And I know that we're taking away the quote now, but I know that we're doing something right now to address the backlogs, which is bringing in consultants, but like pre prevent the buildup of new backlogs, um, uh, including traffic calming in resurfacing projects, um, addressing staff capacity and financial resources, which is what is there already, 
Um, and then I don't know if we need we need to find a way to keep that last clause about compliance with safety and industry best practices. Because honestly, <laughs> I feel like we want to be better than the current best practices, but maybe that's um, too opinionated for this particular charge. Current best practices aren't that great in this country, but that's another thing. So how does that feel to folks? I'll read, I'll try and read this out again. So this bullet would now read, uh, discuss additional opportunities to improve the existing traffic calming program, uh, such as improving time from petition to evaluation, reducing backlog or new backlogs, uh, including traffic calming in resurfacing projects, and complying with safety and industry best practices. We can put that in there. That's the new bullet. I can't, I think, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I, I think addressing the staff capacity in this is, is an important component. I think that's one of the, that's one of the limitations um, that's in there and yeah. I need to address that as. Yep, that's, that's a good one. I, want, I did want that in there. So addressing staff capacity and financial resource limitations would be another clause in there. Any, uh, Pete? Um, the, the way that bullet reads now, it sounds like the, the way I interpreted it was make these changes while being cognizant of limitations of staff and resources. And what I'm hearing now is address the limitations or get rid of them, which I think is better, right? Yeah. But I, I just I just want to make sure that we're we're agreed on what we're saying here. We're we may want to get rid of some of these barriers. I just want to make sure that's clear. Yeah. Yeah. I think okay. I think that is what we want to be saying. That's I want that's why I wanted to make this one yeah. active that we are um, and of course, we're at this point, the committee will just be sort of like talking about how we might do all those things rather than actually doing them ourselves. But um, ideally, we'll be able to come back with some recommendations for ways that we can address some of these issues. Um, but yeah, that's I think that's right, Pete. Do you, do you think that we need to make that clearer in this language or you were just sort of checking on interpretation? Um, well, I was checking and I, I think, um, I mean, Raymond hasn't updated that bullet yet to, uh, to make that change, but I, I think if we change it to what you said, it would be, it would be, it would make it clearer. Okay. Clearer than what it is, clearer than what we have now in the text. Great. Other, I don't think I have any other changes that require me to be looking at the bullets, but if other folks want to keep looking at this for another minute, um, or if you have other things to say, if you could just either use the raise hand function so I can see you, or if you're on audio, just unmute so I can hear that you want to speak. Just a quick question. Does the dialog box that I typed, does that show where the new language? Okay, it does. Yeah, I see yeah. it. It's just missing the, um, what I can see is missing the staff 
capacity and financial resources piece. Yes. Well, that's already in there, right? So that's why I was just trying to. Oh, I see. The gotcha. new language. Yeah. Gotcha. yeah. So, so Raymond, Raymond, what I was trying to say was that the way that that limitations to staff capacity and financial resources reads now sounds like we want to make recommendations that are sensitive to not overburdening staff or spending too much money is, is, is how I interpret the way it's written now. What we wanted to say instead is come up with recommendations to get rid of those constraints. Maybe not in those words, but that, yeah. that's what I'm thinking we want to say. I think that's right. So I was I was thinking addressing as the verb for that, since we've got like improving the time from petition, reducing backlog, um, including traffic calming. So yeah, addressing staff capacity and financial resource limitations. Yes. Got it. Yes. Thanks for that clarification. That helps me. I'm really fun to be in a Google Doc with, just like. <laughs> um, all right. I, I'm not seeing any other comments or questions. So um, I think we're ready to, to vote on this. So uh, do I have a motion to recommend approval of the proposed Traffic Calming Committee Charter uh, as revised tonight? Absolutely. And can I have a second? Megan is just keeping your hand up this time. That works. Awesome. Uh, okay. All those in favor of the motion, please say yes if you're on, uh, raise your hand if you're on video, say yes if you're on audio. Uh, yes. Yes. Um, Larry, I don't, you're on, you're muted. We might have lost Larry for a second. Okay. Uh, all those opposed? And any abstentions? Um, great, the charter passes and we have a traffic calming committee. Thanks everyone. I'm glad that we're gonna be tackling this. Uh, next item of business, we have so much business tonight. Uh, the Safe Streets for All grant application. So a new federal discretionary grant was introduced recently known as the Safe Streets for All program and staff is proposing to submit an application. So I'm gonna turn it over to Raymond to tell us about it. Yes, thank you. So um, what I can do, let me also share screen because that'll help me uh, organize my thoughts a little bit here. Uh, let's see, here is the resolution that's included there in your packet. Um, is it still sharing the right screen? I, I dragged it over. Is it showing resolution approved grant application? Yeah. Oh, all right, great. So yes, this is, so, um, the United States Department of Transportation um, uh, several weeks ago released a new federal discretionary grant program. And what I mean by that is a lot of the federal tax dollars that come are apportioned through formula grants. So, you know, road money, air quality money, any number of different monies kind of come by formula to the Detroit region, Southeast Michigan, Watts, so forth and so on. And then they get prioritized that way. However, there are large pots of funding that are sometimes reserved through different bills, transportation bills, recovery bills, stimulus bills, um, that the federal administration, namely the president and or you know, the department that oversees the grant has the discretion to award. 
Um, if you're familiar in the past, these took such names as Tiger, um, the Build Grant, um, and I'm trying to think what the other version was. Um, anyway, so, so this is kind of a new flavor of it, Safe Streets for All. Um, one of the things that's kind of interesting about this grant program is they've broken it into two different pots of funding. One is for a planning grant to establish a safety action plan. Um, the idea is they want communities to really be safety focused and figure out ways to make sure that they are moving towards kind of vision zero. Um, the grant doesn't necessarily say those words directly, but pretty much that's what it implies. Um, and then there is um, part of the grant is set aside for implementation dollars. And the good news is we have certified our plan with the feds uh, that it meets the safety action plan. So therefore we don't need to go after the planning grant. We are already uh, eligible for the um, uh, implementation grant. And so we think this gives us a little bit of a competitive advantage because many communities don't have such a vision zero focused plan that is focused on safety. So we think if we submit now, our chances will be a little bit better. We'll be a little bit out ahead of the, the queue because what will happen, there, I think this program is funded for five years. We expect a lot of communities are going to go after the implement or the, the plan dollars, and then they will be eligible for the implementation dollars in the next cycle or the cycle thereafter. So we think if we go out now, we stand a good chance. Um, well, I won't say we stand a good chance, but we think we'll be fairly competitive. Um, it's hard to know how competitive these grant programs are. They tend to be very competitive. Um, they tend to award large grants to major metropolitan areas. So we will be a bit of an outlier if we were to get this as a smaller metropolitan area. But the fact that we're in a swing state and a couple other you know, factors, I think uh, it also plays in our favor. So what we did internally is we kind of looked at the plan. We looked at some of the projects that we think we could implement in a fairly short amount of time uh, within the five years of the program um, and put together a fairly robust uh, grant application. Um, you'll, you'll see, you know, the, the grant really speaks our language, right? So I, I only took a subset of some of the language on the page, but if you go to, you know, the, the Safe Streets for All grant page, you'll see all the type of things that are eligible and it's all the stuff we're working on, right? Applying low cost roadway safety treatments, AKA quick builds, right? Transforming a roadway corridor, AKA road diets, installing pedestrian safety enhancement and closing network gaps, you know, sidewalk gap filling are all of our crosswalk enhancements that we're working on. Uh, supporting the development of the bikeway network, aka an all ages and abilities network that we're working towards. Carrying out speed management strategies. You know, you hear us working on a major streets uh, speed management um, implementation plan right now. Promoting the adoption of innovative technologies and strategies. Um, you know, with all the research that is going on with UmTree, there's an, a logical fit there. Um, and then evaluating, um, you know, how those are working. Um, and so. You know, just all of this really got us excited about how well we think we're aligned with this grant. Um, so some of the projects that we're looking at um, is, first of all, we want to leverage some of our existing funding and programs so that way we don't have to find new money. So when I say sidewalks here, the grant wouldn't necessarily fund a whole bunch of new sidewalks. What this is saying, suggesting is we would take the sidewalk millage and leverage it as part of the local match. The sidewalk millage generates about $1.3 million. 
So the lion's share of the local match is coming from the sidewalk match. Um, and we might, you know, commit two to three years of the sidewalk millage to support this. Um, the good news is the same sidewalks would be um, implemented. It would just be used, you know, to help uh, get these additional funding. Uh, and then we might also leverage some of the existing programs we have for crosswalk enhancements, streetlight enhancements, some um, education and outreach dollars that we already are, have been programmed and have historically been programmed by city council through the budgetary process. So some of this will be, you know, some of the same business as usual, but then what we want to do is, is use those programs to bring in a whole bunch of extra uh, federal dollars. Um, so the idea here is we would, you know, look at um, um, some new projects would include the Eisenhower Park Path Connector, a whole bunch of pedestrian improvements, including signal uh, performance measures for pedestrians, looking at new bike parking, looking at protected bike lanes, bike boulevards, and other bike network safety improvements, um, citywide speed reduction, you know, where can we drop speeds, what are the things that we can do to um, get cars to, to drive slower. Um, couple that with an education campaign, um, do signal upgrades and near-miss analytics. Um, and when I say near-miss analytics, this speaks a little bit to what we talked about earlier with the uh, no turn on red. Um, this idea of, you know, crash reports are great because they give us a very hard data set, but we know there's a bunch of unreported stuff that happens out there. Um, and there's a lot of technology out there that uses AI and edge computing that can, you know, tap into... Uh, existing sensors that we already have in, in at our intersections and can um, help analyze how many near misses occur. And we've been in discussions with companies for a couple of years on this, but we just have never been able to find the funding to get it off the ground. And, and this might actually help us do that. Uh, traffic calming, similar concept. We would just leverage the existing program. Um, quick build projects, you know, for those of you that have been following what we're doing with the Sam Schwartz team, we're working on kind of the next round of um, projects in the next five years of projects. This would feed directly into that and help give us some money to really get going in addition to the ARPA money that's already programmed for this. Uh, micro mobility enhancements, what I refer to, what that is referring to is, you know, uh, e-scooters, possibly e-bikes and ways that for um, safety improvements, as well as maybe uh, seamless and integrated transportation, meaning, you know, you can hop from one form to another form without uh, too much difficulty. Um, and then program support and management, just baking into the grants an ability to maybe hire either staff or consult to make sure that we're meeting all the parameters of the, the grant if it's awarded. Um, so the grant does fund up to 80%. Historically, though, if you overmatch, you're in a little bit better situation. Um, and you know, as I kind of mentioned, um, there are several different local programs that we're leveraging. So the way we're proposing the breakdown right now is it's about a $22 million ask. Um, $16.7 million of that would be federally funded if it was awarded. And then roughly 25% of $5 million would come existing local programs that I mentioned uh, and would be our local match. Um, we would commit that over a period of three years. Um, and so we think this could really be a huge shot in the arm to kind of just put a lot of our efforts on, um, you know, a fast track to, to get implemented. Um, you know, we're obviously very thankful to uh, city council for the ARPA funding that they granted. Um, and that $2 million is really meant to help us, you know, next couple of years, then this would take us years beyond that as well. 
So uh, the application is due uh, September 15th, which is just a short month away, uh, just a little bit less than that. Uh, we are going to hire Sam Schwartz to help us write the grant. Um, the reason why we feel that is important is if you've ever worked on a major federal discretionary grant, and I know many of you are researchers and have probably worked on different grants, these are major undertakings. Um, Sam Schwartz, because of they did to develop the plan because of the work they're doing currently on the implementation strategy is very well suited um, to a understand all the data out there uh, and to be able to weave together a very compelling narrative with our assistance um, and they put together uh, successful grant applications in the past as well so this is not new to them um, so we think that um, with their help we can put together a pretty strong application um, so the resolution that you, now, one thing I will say is, you know, a lot of this is somewhat subject to change. We're still kind of talking to partners about opportunities for partnership. Um, and some of the, the specifics of the change a little bit over time before we submit it. Um, but this is currently where our head is at. And so we are going to, we are hoping to take this to council at their first meeting in September. Um, and since this is your last meeting before that grant would be due, um, we're asking for, you know, your thoughts on it tonight. And if you're amenable, um, a recommendation that you're willing to provide to city council on this initiative. Great. Thank you. I'm going to try turning on my camera and see if I can get away with it. Um, questions, comments, Erica. Obviously, super excited to see you putting this together. Um, I'm curious uh, are, how much our lobbyists are able to help with this or help to, if, if, if there's a role that they play in this. Yes, yes, and yes. I have reached out to John Warner. Um, hopefully none of our competitors are listening if they don't know this, but um, I will tell you that in Las Vegas, um, my organization was one of the most uh, successful at getting Tiger grants. Now you might think what did Vegas do so special? Harry Reid, that's the answer. So um, reaching out to especially Stabenow, Peters and Dingle and having them advocate for us at the federal level with uh, the, the Biden administration as well as the USDOT is gonna be absolutely important. So yes, I already put this on John Fournier's uh, list because he helps manage our uh, lobbyists. Um, and it is something we hope to have a strong show of support from our congressional delegation. And if any of you have been roads, uh, start planting those seeds as well. Okay. And is that, I know the policy committee meets tomorrow, if there's anything that you need from that council subcommittee um, as well. I mean, John's going to be there, but you know, if there's any sort of recommendation, I mean, I don't think you need anything else, but if there's, feel free to, <laughs> to reach out about that. Yeah, I'll but, circle back. Um, yeah, it seems great. Um, I don't know that I, I'm assuming that this will get crafted in a way that's super compelling. Is there anything in here that you feel, I guess, is that um, would be exciting from particularly like exciting from the federal viewpoint about, you know, being able to point to a city that's doing something cutting edge? Yeah, I, I I, I do. I mean, I think we are kind of at the forefront, of, especially for a community of our size, um, the stuff we're doing with quick build, the stuff we're doing with, um, you know, some of the university research, um, I, I think puts us in a, in a pretty good light 
Um, I, I'm excited. I, I think we stand a good chance, but you know, I'm obviously not on the review committee, but um, you know, I, I, I remain hopeful. I wouldn't, I, this is a big undertaking and we're pretty tasked right now. And I, I wouldn't pursue this if I didn't think we had a shot at it. So I, I think it's worth the effort. And the good news too, is even if you don't get it the first round, a lot of times you can have a debrief with the federal government if you don't get the award to say like, where did we miss? And then they can give you pointers on ways you could tweak your application for the next round. Um, and then sometimes, you know, going back a couple of times also helps improve your chances a little bit. It kind of shows some dedication. So, um, so this heavy lift on the front end may pay off if we get the award, but may even help with a future um, grant if we don't get it. So. And I thought of, I'm sorry, one more thing before, when it comes to council, you mentioned in, in your um, comments that, or introduction, that um, the reason we didn't need to do the planning effort is that our plan had been certified. Um, and I don't know if there's, that would, I'd love to point to that at the council table for some of our council. Yeah, so if there's anything else you want to throw in there about that, I I welcome that. I also certainly bring that up that our, our vision zero plan is actually a vision zero plan. Yeah. And I, I the, the sort of, it was a self-certification. There was kind of a checklist that you would go down and, and we checked all the boxes. So um, it's not like we have a certificate from the feds that say, you know, you're, you're vision zero compliant, but it's more, does your plan do this? Does your plan do this? And we checked affirmative to all of them. So that, that was kind of the exercise. So um, okay. thanks. Yeah. Maybe I'll mention that part of the council meeting. Just <laughs> uh, Pete. Um, I was also wondering about the planning. Um, so I, I think we have a good plan, but is there no part of it that could use some, some more work or, or is there no other planning that we think might be um, helped by, by asking for a grant of planning funding or? or not, or would that put us, like you said, give us less of an advantage if we were to do that? Well, I, um, I, I don't know the answer. I, I would speculate that if we put in for both a planning grant, which are smaller dollars and an implementation grant, um, the feds would probably kick out the implementation grant and say, you should focus on your planning initiative first. Okay. I, I don't disagree that, you know, there's always room for improvement with the existing document and, and we should be treating it as a living document, you know, that we revisit periodically and, and make sure that it stays fresh. Um, but since it is so recently adopted, I'm, we were hesitant to, you know, suggest that we should go back to the, you know, drawing board on that and kind of try to use it and leverage it as a way to advance and do some of this implementation work. Okay. I think that makes sense. Yeah, I believe pretty strongly that we should not be looking to do more planning at this stage, that there's like the perpetual planning loop. And we have, we do, we have a really good plan and this is an opportunity to get money to do things. Um, so I'm, yeah, I think to me, it, it makes a lot of sense to be focusing on implementation right now. Other questions or comments? Hello. Yes, Larry. I've got my I've got my hand up. I was just waiting to see. Oh, you know. By the way, the vote the, it wasn't showing up for me. So you should just go ahead and unmute when you want to jump in. Well, okay. Well, the the vote the vote for the first thing was yes, where I missed the vote. Okay, thanks. I was going to say yes, but my mute didn't come off. Okay. 
And uh, will this, will the funding for this, this funding, if it goes through, will it help provide funding for audible, audible pedestrian signals or hawk signals? Yes. And or hawk signals? Yes, Larry, we do have the audible pedestrian signals uh, in written into the grant. Um, hawk signals I, is a little bit different, so I just want to, I won't over promise that. Um, you know, hawk signals are a, a, a traffic control device that actually you have to meet warrants before you put those in, but we can put in more of those uh, rectangular rapid flashing beacon yellow signs, right? So um, those are, ah. are warning devices. So just doing it. So yes, the crosswalk improvements include a lot of the RFB work. If there is a warrant for a hawk, we would look at that. But largely, we're thinking of accessible pedestrian signals and uh, a lot of other things. The audible pedestrian, I love. They're 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 very useful. Yeah, I put them everywhere. But <laughs> anyway, eventually, did you have other things you wanted to say, Larry? No. Okay. Uh, yeah, and I'm really sorry that I don't know why your hand wasn't showing us raised. Um, so yeah, if I if I'm missing you, please do just jump in again, and we can we can ask. But yeah, and my apologies, Larry. That that fault is on mine. I do see in in I, the view I have, Larry or, or Molly shows Larry's hand up, but I don't think you can see it on your end. Okay. Um, and then I and I will also apologize to Larry. I think I inadvertently muted him when I was on <laughs> uh, with our public speakers when I was changing their permission to speak. I think I accidentally. So I'm glad to hear you're back. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Sorry about that. Um, other questions or comments? All right. So I think we're ready to vote. Do I have a motion to recommend? Uh, wait, nope. I'm on the wrong action. We have so many business items today. Do I have a motion to recommend approval of submitting the Safe Streets for All grant application and forwarding this recommendation to City Council? Brett, and do I have a second? Uh, um, great. All those in favor, physically raise your hand if I can see you or say yes if you're on the audio. Yes. Yes. Great. All those opposed? And any abstentions? All right. Motion passes, and uh, we are going to recommend the grant application to council. Thank you so much for moving this forward, Raymond. It's really great that we actually be getting a lot of resources for the feds to do this work. Uh, all right, next up, capital improvement plan update. So two months ago, we got an update from Kayla Coleman that the city is beginning the development of a full-blown capital improvement plan. Uh, last month, uh, Pete Hoke and I volunteered to look over the existing CIP and see if there are recommendations that we wanted to make as a commission. This is something that we have been doing for a while, I think, for the existence of the commission, the going back over old recommendations, they're often pretty narrow. They're not like it's not really broad. It is often focused on one specific thing or a specific kind of thing. Um, so this is going to be a proposed action item for us uh, tonight. I think I have a note here that you might ask for a delay on the vote, Raymond. Is that where are we on that? Yeah. Uh and if you'll humor me, when this came through, um, I shared it with Kayla Coleman, who, as you all know, now manages the CIP. And there were just a couple questions of clarification that I think she wanted to kind of iron out. Some, some of these recommendations might very well be best addressed through the CIP, but some of them are maybe more procedural that might be best suited somewhere else. 
So I haven't had a chance to kind of like compare her notes with what's proposed here. Okay. Um, and, you know, I, I don't want to prevent you from taking action on it tonight, but I, I will say we do have enough time in this process that if the, if you will indulge staff, um, we can come back with some recommendations to tighten it up a little bit so um, that it can feed a little bit more seamlessly into the CIP program. Okay. Um, so, yeah. What I think I'll do then, since we have time tonight, which is so rare, I think it makes sense for us to have discussion of the, um, of what uh, Pete and I put together. So we, if we have addi other additions or other, like other things that we want to do, we can get it all in there, see if we might need additional feedback um, or suggestions from Kayla and then vote on it next month. How does that sound to folks? So then I think officially I should be moving to table this. Maybe? Well, postpone, I think, is actually the better action, because okay. if you table, it's kind of in purgatory and you have to like motion to take it off of tabling. But if you postpone it to the next meeting, then it comes back uh, All right. at the end of the fine period. Great. But we want to discuss it first. Right. So I think we can discuss it and then postpone it as opposed to voting on it at the end. Look at me learning my Roberts rules. OK, so um, questions, comments, thoughts about um the what you saw in your packet about the um suggestions for the capital improvements plan and raymond's also going to pull it up on the screen here um so there were sort of a few different sections to uh to this in terms of things we were recommending uh the first one is about accelerating the infill of bike lane gaps as identified in the transportation plan uh and then we sort of named a few of those things including and it's funny Pete and I actually talked about this, that some of these things are more process than, than capital improvement, but it felt connected to the, the spending because we're talking about things like prioritization. Um, but yeah, I can, I can see why we might need to adjust those. So we're looking at infill of bike lane gaps as one section. I'm just going to run through the like overview. The next one was about um, accelerating the shift to protected bike lanes and the various purchases that are required for that. Um, a lot of reiterating the need for improvements along the State Street corridor. Um, and there are, there are a bunch of items there, um, both in terms of uh, car infrastructure, but also um, pedestrian and bicycle infrastructure and connectivity, including some of the things we heard from our caller about tonight. Um, connections under and over some of the railroad, some of the railroad issues. Um, and then the last one was another process um, about speed, speed management and traffic calming in existing resurfacing and reconstruction projects, which is now also a part of the um, traffic calming committee's charter. So having done that little rundown, questions or comments or additions or changes. I'm going to ask folks, since we've got the screen share on, if you could either use the raise hand button or just unmute and start talking. Pete. So um, when we were on the previous agenda item, when we were talking about planning, um, I guess what, what I was thinking about when I said that was that we have a lot of gaps that are identified in the in moving together. And uh, so gaps in the in the bicycle network. And I when I look at that, it's not obvious to me like which one we should be doing first because we can't do them all in the first year. 
You know, we can't do them all in the first two or three years, probably. So which one is going to give us the, 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 mo the biggest return on investment and quickest? And um, I guess that's a place where I feel like the planning, we could use a little bit of work on it or else I just need to be exposed to what we already have. Um, that's why I was imagining that was a, uh, you know, some piece of planning that we might want to do. I'm not saying we should ask for a grant to do it, but I think before we make a decision about how we prioritize things in the, in the CIP, that it would be good to have a sense of what, where are the critical gaps, like which, which ones should be year one gaps, which ones should be year two and year three. So that's the, the uh, intent of this first um, chunk here of you know developing a uh, a model for bike lanes. Thanks. Yeah, and I should have turned it over to you to see if there was anything you wanted to add about about all this. Um, but yeah, thank you for that clarification. And, and Molly, I may just jump in real quickly. Sorry, Julie, to step on your toes up. Pete, I, I think you're spot on, right? I mean, one of the things that with the plan, it's, it's so big and, and kind of, um, you know, ambitious that, you know, for a certain extent, it, it can feel a little uh, overwhelming <laughs> for staff to figure out like where to, you know, how do we start taking bites out of the elephant? The good news is, and, and hopefully Julie and, and Brett can have my back on this, the, the implementation strategy that the Sam Schwartz team is working on is actually getting to the question right now that you're speaking to. So they're, they're identifying the next five years of projects, which include um, the all ages and ability network. And they're going through a prioritization process. They just revealed it last night for the first time. Um, they're still working on it. So it's still, you know, playing out. But I think there's a little bit of an answer in the not too distant future that I think will will feed into that. So I agree with your sentiment that there needs to be some further refinement. And we are hopefully working towards that with uh, the work that's underway with Sam Short. Thank you, Julie. Yeah, so I don't understand the the goal here very well, and I don't understand the CIP process very well. But my impression was that it was sort of a balancing act. So if we if we're saying prioritize these things, it's like what do we not prioritize? Do we need to think about that also? Yeah, I, I mean, Kayla might have a different answer than I have. Um, you know, I'll put on my um, Marty Prashan hat, who's the <laughs> chief financial officer. She's always quick to remind us that, you know, the, the pie is somewhat fixed, right? You know, the, the amount of revenue that comes to the city, um, you know, yeah, it changes a little bit over time, but, you know, the resources are the resources. So, um, you know, oftentimes whenever we're proposing a new program, we have to figure out where that funding is coming from and if something else has to, you know, give way for that. So, I think this committee could take that under advisement to maybe de-emphasize projects or, you know, you can leave that also to the policymakers for them to figure out what should, you know, maybe give um, in, in place of what you're recommending. So I think either approach is valid. I, I don't, you know, given the whole breadth and, you know, the just the sheer scale of what the city does, um, you know, I wouldn't expect the Transportation Commission to know exactly where we should make cuts in order to come up with that. But if you have specific suggestions or thoughts in mind, um, I, I would think that could be on the table as well. I won't say what I think we should cut, but I think in terms of, you know, the way I think about the role of commissions, 
our, especially, especially this commission, which is purely advisory and we don't, we, we, um, we're trying to represent a broad swath of interests across around transportation in the city. And I think our role is really to dream big and to try and push a little bit. And then it's the elected's role and staff's role to figure out, all right, well, if this is the dream, what, what isn't in this dream and what can we, what can we deprioritize? But I don't think I, that doesn't feel like the, the responsibility of this commission, as I understand what we're trying, like what we're supposed to be doing. Um, Having been on many budget processes in other places, like absolutely that is someone's job (laughs) Uh, and it has been mine, but um, I don't think in this case it is. Other questions, thoughts? Um, So when I, when I first started working putting ideas together for this, um, I did have some bullet points about Bandemir and um, uh, Gal Park underpasses. And and then we heard callers tonight talking about it. So it's obviously top of mind for a lot of people, you know, including me. Um, the reason why I didn't leave them in there is because I guess I, I felt satisfied with the way they are prioritized in the plan now. So I guess maybe asking this team and, you know, and, and Raymond, like, if we're okay with something where it is, I mean, do we need to say that or, or is, don't mention it? What, what's the right thing to do with, with those important projects that, you know, are prioritized appropriately? Yeah, I don't think there's a right answer. You know, if there is a project or a connection or something that you feel very strongly should, you know, remain where it is, um, I don't think there's any harm in re-emphasizing that. And the only reason why I say that is because, you know, to the point we just made, right? Like if we're if we're having a shell game around funding to fund for things, I would hate for, you know, like using your recommendation, you know, the Washington Bike Boulevard, right? Sooner than 2025. What if they say, okay, well, we'll put Washington Bike Boulevard in 2023, but Vandermeer Barton connection gets pushed out, right? So that that might be one of the unintended consequences that if, you know, if you're silent on the issue, we, you know, we, it might inadvertently happen. I'm not suggesting that's how it would shake out, but you know, if, if you feel very strongly about a project, how it's currently programmed, I don't see any harm in kind of reemphasizing that you, you support where it's at short of every single project. Right. I mean, I don't think that's a good exercise, but yeah. I wonder if given, especially given the public comments that we've heard, this month and also in in recent months, whether we might want to say something just about train crossings generally, the way that we've talked about bike um, bike lane gaps and protected bike lanes generally, if it would make sense for us to talk about the importance of all of the connections um, across the various railroads as a way to sort of cover our bases. But also, I do think it's genuinely an issue. We've had um, injuries really recently. I don't know what other folks think about that as something to add. I think that's a good idea. Okay. Yeah, me too. Great. And since we're not voting on this tonight, if folks feel like they need more time to think about it, um, mull it over, you can send, you know, feel free to send stuff by email and um, 
we'll work with Raymond and Kayla, I guess, on a revised version of this that will come back to us for a vote next month. Does that sound like the right process, Raymond? Yeah, very much so. And then um, I, I may even drag Kayla along uh, for the discussion, just so you know, she has a, a little bit better handle on the CIP and what you know feeds well into it, so she can maybe help steer that conversation. So. Okay, great. So then if there are not any further comments, I'm gonna ask for a motion to postpone the um, capital improvement plan recommendation. I see Juan Wu first and a second, Julie. Um, all right, all those in favor of postponement, raise your hand or say yes. Yes. Uh, all those opposed? Um, and I didn't see it, no abstentions. Um, Larry, if you were having trouble with unmuting again, just feel free to pop in when you can and let us know your vote on that one. So, but it's postponed and we'll bring this back in a revised form next month to vote on. Um, thanks everyone. And thank you, Pete, for your work on pulling this together. Um, and that concludes our business. Finally, we're moving on to information and discussion. Um, we've got an ordinance and bylaws amendment. As you all know, the Transportation Commission has experienced uh, quite a bit of commissioner turnover, in large part because people are so busy. Um, and one commission seat that's always been really difficult to fill is the one that's dedicated to, quote, I'm quoting here, an owner or operator of a transportation business operating in Ann Arbor. Um, so we we had uh, the previous occupant of that seat. Um was Jim from HEH. Uh, -E and when his term was up, he was like, my business is too good. I'm too busy. And my attempts to recruit other transportation business owners were met with similar, like, yes, that's important, but I am swamped uh, kinds of uh, comments. So uh, I wanted to propose an ordinance and bylaw amendment, which is what would what we would have to do to change the composition of the commission. Um, to change the seat to, quote, a member of the public. So we would just open this up to another member of the public, which is already the bulk of us um, in the voting membership of the commission. Um, so it'll allow us to cast a larger net to make sure that we have a commission that's operating at full strength. Because um, for a little while there, we were having some quorum, like we were, there were concerns. We always made it, but there, I was sometimes a little worried. So um, also per the bylaws, we need to deliberate on bylaws changes over the course of two meetings. So tonight this is up for discussion, but we wouldn't actually vote on it until next month. Um, so I just wanted to sort of bring this up for discussion, welcome any thoughts, um, questions, suggestions about this change. So the proposal is to change the seat that's reserved for an owner of a transportation business to a member of the, a seat for the, the general public. And Raymond is pulling up on the screen, the, um, the bylaws and showing us what we would change. So. Um, the first item in the list of commission membership is, is currently says six members of the public, and we would change it to seven members of the public and then delete the next line, which is one owner or operator of a transportation business operating in Ann Arbor. And another detail worth mentioning is that um, in the, so the way the history of the Transportation Commission, uh, the story of the history is that we, we are sort of an evolution of the taxi board. And when this was a taxi board, I think it probably made a lot of sense to have a business owner or multiple business owners on the commission. But, uh, and so I think it's a little bit of a carryover from the taxi board, but now we've been operating for 
four years, five, four, five years, five years, I think, as the Transportation Commission. And it's just, um, it's been a shift. And, you know, Jim's contributions were really valuable. But he first started getting involved in the commission as a member of the public when we were working on the micromobility um, uh, revisions to the bike lane ordinance. And there's nothing that would prevent a future transportation business owner from participating in similar ways when there are things we're working on that would be relevant to transportation businesses. It, like They also count as members of the public. So if at some point in the future, a transportation business owner um, is interested in serving on the commission, there's nothing to say they can't. It just means we're not gonna be holding this seat open because it will just be mostly an empty seat. Great. So I'm not seeing any other thoughts and questions. Again, feel free to send by email if things occur to you later. Nothing to vote on tonight, but this will come back next month and we will vote on it then. And then Raymond, after that, it goes to council. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. This one, uh, uh, it, it, it is a paired action. One is the bylaws amendment and the other is an ordinance amendment because the membership is actually established through ordinance. So I'll have to check with legal just to, because I think ordinance revisions require hearings uh, at city council. So I'll, I'll just have to double check like when and how that gets programmed with city council. So I, I can't tell you when it would, if it gets passed by this body, when it would get on a city council agenda, but I'll check with legal on it. Okay, thank you. Um, great, so that's it for that. And next up, it's time for staff um, for communication. So first, we've got the staff report and updates. All right, I will try something a little different. And you can let me know um, if it's helpful. But I'm actually going to kind of share the screen and walk you through it. Um, the bad news is you will see some of my highlighting that I use to cheat to quickly go through this. But uh, maybe that's helpful for you as well. So uh, as a standard course, we provide this update every month and we just really try to highlight the changes from month to month, uh, just uh, in the interest of you know, what has changed. So um, Sio Church, um, pretty much the, the schedule has changed. You'll see this happen with a lot of the projects. You know, we're kind of reaching the end of the construction season, which pretty much wraps up in November. So if things really haven't started um, kind of getting a move on by now, there's a good chance we're gonna slip to spring. Uh, some of that is result of, you know, uh, supply chain issues or any number of other complications, but you'll start to see some of this happening. So Sio Church is one of those. Construction uh, start as expected in fall of 2022 um, for some of the utility and concrete work, but the actual road paving is probably not going to be completed until early next year. Um, sidewalk gaps, some of the changes uh, are related to Hiscock. There's a... Um, uh, schedule update on that. I think it said late summer before announces fall. Uh, Newport was pushed to 2023. Nixon Traver is currently under construction. Uh, Russell Street also had a schedule update to fall of 2022, as well as Sio Church, as well as Tubingen. Um, and Winchell Brockman Freeze is under construction at the moment. Uh, Division Street is largely done, except there is still a bike signal at Division in Huron uh, that's on delay due to supply chain issues. 
Um, but we're still hoping that that will get installed this fall. It's not a heavy lift once it comes in, but sometimes things are just taking longer to come in than we hope. Uh, State Street Improvement Project, similar thing, running a little bit behind schedule. Um, it is still anticipated, or phase one uh, from William to Liberty is still expected to be completed in September. Um, and then phase two from North U to Huron will be a spring 2023 project. Uh, Earhart Road, um, the biggest problem we ran into um, had to do with, I think, some of the um, um, materials for uh, the construction and the contractor capacity. So as a result, that one's not going to be constructed this year, and it looks like it's going to be combined with um, the other Earhart segment um, and will be bid out for construction in 2023 as a single project. That should be one project, not one project. Uh, here on Parkway Bridge Capital Preventive Maintenance Project, um, expected to be completed early next month. Uh, Barton Drive Bike Lanes, um, I think we reported this at the last meeting, but it was right on the heels of City Council's action. So now you have in writing that they did approve removal of the parking uh, in favor of installing the bike lane, and that will happen later this year. Uh, 7th Street and Greenview, again, this one kind of continues to slip a little bit. We are still hoping for public engagement to occur in September. Uh, State and Hill, we're continuing to refine the design on that. Uh, it's moving along based on feedback we've gotten from this commission as well as other public. Um, we do expect bringing this back to the Transportation Commission maybe next month or October. Um, so stay tuned for an update on that. Uh, this next one's a big one that I really want to highlight, make sure everyone it's on everyone's radar. So Michigan Department of Transportation is conducting what they call a planning and environmental linkages study uh, for the M14 and Barton interchange. Um, they're currently looking at four different alternatives. One is do nothing, which is the baseline. That's a standard, you know, baseline that you use for evaluation. Um, option two, and not necessarily in this order, um, option two is to close the interchange. Option three is to realign that interchange so it's not that stop sign that you come up to. It's more of a merge, they'll elongate the ramp, uh, make it more like a traditional interstate freeway uh, entry ramp. Um, and option four is kind of a new uh, roundabout configuration, um, which would also do an elongated ramp, but would have a similar feel to like the uh, Gettys roundabouts on M23, where you'd have roundabouts on either side of the freeway. So then the on-ramp and the off-ramp feed into uh, kind of a, what they call a dog bone. It's, you know, two roundabouts on either side of the, the freeway. So there is currently public uh, comment that's being accepted on this. Uh, the link is included in the packet. And then I've also put uh, the contact information for the project manager on it. And they do have a project website as well. So. I would uh, encourage you all to spread the word on this to make sure that, you know, MDOT is taking, you know, Ann Arbor's thoughts and considerations into account uh, as they move this project forward. A streetlight implementation, um, just some updates on the figures. Nearly 700 have been repaired by DTE so far this calendar year. Um, and then we have a new streetlight on Platte between Wolverine and Williamsburg. I think they're gonna be a bunch of new streetlights that come online in next month's report because we have some scheduled completions in the next couple of weeks. So I'm hopeful we'll have a, a nice long list of, of new streetlights next month. Uh, traffic calming, there's kind of some fun updates here. Uh, Molly alluded to it earlier. 
we are going to utilize a consultant to help us get caught up. Uh, the idea is for them to help us process as many petitions as possible. Um, we currently have 15 in the queue, so I, I don't, I can't give promises in terms of how many we can get through, but our, our typical standard is three per year. Um, and obviously with a backlog of 15, that is not acceptable. That would take us five years, assuming no new um, petitions come in. So the idea is to do more than three. I'll, I'll definitely commit to that. Um, and we're hopeful that we will be able to, to whittle down the list substantially. And then what that might do is, um, now that might chew up a lot of the existing traffic coming budget, but then that might position us for a future request to city council for capital funding to implement those projects uh, once we have a full slate of what those projects will entail. Um, the first three projects up in queue are Granger from State to Packard, Granger from Forest to Olivia, and Fulmer from Miller to Foss. Um, and then the last thing I just wanted to mention, if, if you ever go by there, uh, check out Northside Avenue. They just got the first traffic calming signs. Um, we kind of are worked on a sort of standardized sign so that if this is a sort of gateway treatment that uh, is used uh, for traffic calming, uh, we can replicate it. Uh, it they were produced in-house um, from our Parks and Rec department. So the sign is very similar to the Parks and Rec signs that you see um, denoting a park. Um, and so we're kind of interested to see how well that's received by the neighborhood as well as the community, um, since it's the first time we've done one of those. Uh, Vision Zero Implementation Committee, stay tuned. We just had the meeting last night. Uh, we talked about including it on this agenda, but we didn't think we could kind of synthesize that information and turn it back to you in time. And we had a pretty full agenda. So we will bring something back next month to kind of give you a quick overview of what was discussed. Um, and, you know, uh, Julie and Brett can, can give their impressions as well. All right, education and encouragement. I really want to plug uh, tomorrow, if it's not on your radar, um, the Ride and Learn to celebrate uh, the city's designation as a gold level bicycling um, uh, by the League of American Bicyclists is happening tomorrow at 6 p.m. starting at Argo Park. Um, and then it will conclude at Hanover Square Park, which is the park at the corner of uh, Division and Packard. So it will be a lead ride and there will be stations along the way where there'll be speakers. It will also be a no drop ride. So if you're familiar with that concept, no one's gonna be left behind. Uh, we'll make sure that you know uh, we bring up the tail and, and everybody's included, no matter your skill set uh, in biking. So uh, if you're available tomorrow, we'd love to see you out there. Um, should Weather should be nice and, and cooperative. Maybe Nick, you shouldn't participate since you got rained on the last two days you rode your bike. <laughs> um, and then some other really exciting news, I'm sure most of you are aware, but the voters of uh, the area did approve a new transit millage. So this is a 2.38 mil property tax uh, that will go into effect in 2024. Um, and it will increase equity within the community and provide more access to jobs, education, shopping, and healthcare, uh, specifically by uh, maintaining and enhancing current service, um, establishing an Ann Arbor Ipsy express route, increased frequency of service, uh, longer hours of service, especially on uh, overnight and weekends, um, and putting in customer service agents at the Ipsy Transit Center and uh, an assortment of capital improvements as well. And with that, Molly, that concludes my report.
Great. Thank you. Um, there was something I was going to ask about an update for. Oh, um, the Jackson and Huron pedestrian crossings. Yeah, so we are continuing to talk to MDOT. We don't have a new update to share. Um, the, the, the latest project is the um, Ravenna crossing, right? So the, or Ravenna, depending on, I always, no matter who I talk to, they pronounce it differently. Um, so uh, the idea is to put in a new signal there to allow for a crosswalk on the Ravenna side, as opposed to just the Dexter split, because right now there's kind of this awkward crossing that you have to stand in that middle triangle. And, um, and so MDOT has agreed to that. They're currently working on design. We don't have a schedule, but when I have it, I'll come back and report uh, an update on that. And then the other Jackson crossings, we continue to work with them on as well. Awesome. Thank you. All right, next we're going to move on to liaison reports. So any commissioners who specifically serve as a liaison to another body or organization are invited to provide brief reports and updates. Uh, Erica. Thanks. Um, so a few things happened on Monday night. Um, dogs are going to bark. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so just in the consent agenda, um, there was the approval of pavement markings at maintenance and the Vision Zero quick build um, contract. So that that was passed. Um, we also passed uh, elimination of parking minimums, which is an exciting step forward for our community. So that's great. And also um, a resolution to encourage MDOT to um, look at a noise abatement program and environmental impact study for M14 between, I can't remember exactly what the scope area is, but sort of like Wines Forsyth area up to like the, um, up to kind of the interchange that we were just talking about in M14. Um, unlikely to happen um, in terms of, <laughs> of how the noise abatement program works um, in terms of funding and things like this, but um, it's a longstanding issue for, for, for folks in the neighborhood, the noise that's noise pollution that's in this area. It's um, consistently um, mentioned as a quality of life issue that seems to be growing. So um, felt like it was important to at least state a desire um, from the city for the for the state to take action on this um, and to, to think about addressing some of the noise issues. Great, thank you. Other liaison reports? This is Brian. Uh, <clears throat> I was gonna report very happily on a transit millage, but it was very aptly done by uh, Commissioner Hess there. So I'll uh, just say we also passed a long range plan. Our board uh, did pass a long range plan. Uh, and the first five years of that is now uh, able to be started with the millage. So thank you all for uh, your support. And we look the, the ride looks forward to implementing the, the first stages of it. Thank you. I'm having unstable internet again, but um, Juan Wu, you're up. Great. Um, thank you. Uh, last night, Planning Commission pushed forward this TC1 for Stadium Corridor to Council, so that's going to head to Council next. Um, 
1301 Morningside Drive. Um, this was a few weeks ago, but this was a special exception use for a child care center. It's kind of near, um, gosh, one of the Foresight and um, there's a Wines, I think. Uh, but basically, road calming measures were discussed as being necessary um, from that standpoint. So, Raymond, I imagine you're going to hear sometime a lot of the neighbors have concerns that. Um, this childcare, which is only really supposed to have about at most 13 kids or so, a, a lot of cars go through the neighborhood there to get to behind um, essentially uh, wines area. So they, they're cutting through and moving pretty fast on those roads. So there, there are some concerns there. So just from a road calming measure, you're going to see that probably come forward. Uh, uh, there was a site plan that was approved a few weeks back simultaneously for University Inn. Oh, that's a BESTAC development on East Stadium. It's right next to Trader Joe's. Um, and that was also a site of traffic concern, but it was approved. It's, it's going to be the university is, in, is getting demolished for 185 units, like four stories. Um, but there were concerns that was discussed at planning about the that particular intersection, but that, that's just going to continue to be a point of discussion, I think, uh, on Washington. So... Uh, and stadium. So I think that's pretty much about it. I think the biggest one was the TC1 and then the road calming about the morning side special exception use. So that's all I got. Thank you. Thanks. Erica. Yeah, I just have a follow-up question on that. Um, and I don't know if this is kind of directed to you, Commissioner Lee, as well as to transportation staff. Um, so I, I have uh, I did not watch the meeting during live time, but I have heard a few updates and you kind of alluded to it around the setbacks on stadium um, being a point of, of discussion around the tra traffic safety and whether those setbacks should be further back um, because of um, sort of the traffic configurations on a, maybe a, a faster moving road like, like stadium. And so, um, I, you know, I think this points to, you know, this is an issue that maybe some sometimes like transportation commission would be interested to weigh in, but I think maybe more importantly, I don't know if that, if this point is one that has already gotten feedback from, you know, if transportation staff and engineering have looked at this issue or have thoughts on this, uh, if you got feedback last night at the planning commission meeting on that, or if that feels like a point of that's open that, you know, we could use some more feedback before that comes to council around, you know, the, the safety impacts of some of that. Um, yeah, yeah, I can probably speak to that. And just as a point of information, I, I was recused from it because my employer yeah. actually manages one property. So I was just watching and I'm just delivering the news simply because I was you know, sitting kind of on the side watching. Um, but uh, I think the, the how, how the discussion went was that, um, and this just reminded me of our downtown discussion about the no turn on red, uh, no, um, the, the, frequency of driveways and alleyways like alleyways can be pretty dangerous for when cars you know come out in um, downtown areas but people are moving real slow and careful um at 35 miles an hour with five lane roads with 60 feet of you know cross section on stadium tc1 allows for basically zero setback now that doesn't mean that they can do zero you know they don't have to build right up to the property line but the concern was um, yeah, turning on to stadium. And so the discussion, I think, started going towards, do we revisit the concept of zero setbacks 
as a UDC text amendment um, was kind of where we were it sounded like the rest of the planning commission was heading, but the, yeah, I'm sure transportation traffic engineers actually do need to assess whether a zero setback on a 35 mile road would create actually more dangerous conditions for pedestrians than the intent. I mean, the intent being again to try and slow traffic down by creating more visual cues of buildings closer to the road. But when you again have five lane roads, <laughs> you know, buildings right up to it and people trying to make turns, um, it creates, uh, yeah, potentially unsafe conditions. And that, that was the point of discussion. Um, I think more, uh, yeah, thought and discussion needs to be had on that specific point. Uh, but right now, as of now, TC1 allows for uh, yeah, no, no setbacks. And so that, that's the context and kind of the discussion um, around that. And I think there, there will have to be some, uh, I imagine Brett is looking into this, um, you know, potential interaction between transportation and setback. Um, yeah, before it gets to council. Okay. So, yeah. yeah, thanks. So I guess this is maybe, maybe this is an early agenda question or maybe a, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I'll submit it, but just something, a heads up that if this is something that um, transportation staff or AAPD has any concerns around, um, you know, in terms of thinking about this uh, configuration on stadium, if there's any concerns around that and thinking about, you know, whether a, a small setback would would improve the safety there. Um, I think that would be useful information to have before it comes to council. So um, I'll just leave it, at, leave it there um, or let me know if I should, I can also submit it as a formal question. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll bring it up at the next planning commission meeting as a, you know, um, that during transportation commission, we just had this discussion and that uh, we should follow up with uh, council member Briggs. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> and I can conversely also, I think uh, Alexis DeLeo has been the staff lead on this. Uh, I can reach out to her and Brett just to get caught up on some of the discussions. Um, Alexis and I touched base a little while ago. Um, the, the concern I heard from her was that, um, or in what she had been hearing from some of the community members, was that the sidewalks along the stadium are, using a term we used to use back in Vegas, monolithic, right? They're, they're just, there's no separation. There's no lawn extension. There's no tree plot. There's no amenity zone. It's just sidewalk and roadway. Um, and whether that's, you know, if, if that environment could be improved. Um, so the setback itself, I don't know if that addresses it. It addresses the, the visibility issue, but it doesn't necessarily address the comfort issue by itself because, you know, we can't build into a setback unless we have an easement or right away, right? So, so yeah. I can circle back with her and, and talk through some of the options so that we're prepared to discuss that at, at council. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then that, that was definitely a, a part of the discussion as well um, about could we get a tree-lined street and could we make the developers build basically if they want to. Um, essentially, could we have some level of buffering? Right now, I think we only have lights. So you're, you're right, it is just straight concrete on asphalt. So um, the idea was, yeah, could, could we create some protections? And then it's if you build right up to the right-of-way, um, is that going to cause visibility issues of cars turning out? So, so that, that, yeah, if you can touch base with Alexis, that would be phenomenal. And I'll also bring it up, obviously, with planning as well um, and say, hey, this was a discussion point of transportation. So thanks. Thank you.
other liaison reports. Um, oh, I see there's a question on here about whether uh, Brett, Megan, Peter, I would like to share any thoughts on the joint meeting of interested liaisons from energy, environmental, transportation, and disability issues, and A20 ambassadors on sidewalk maintenance and expansion, which was held on August 5th. I am happy to take this one, unless you all have things that you want to share. Uh, so the meeting happened. Staff presented information, participants asked questions and made comments, and staff will compile a write-up. And that's pretty much what there is to say about that meeting. Uh, do, let's see, Julie or Brett, do you want to share anything about last night's Vision Zero Implementation Committee meeting? Um, I know it just happened, so we're going to get into it more next month, but if there's any initial thoughts you wanted to share. I don't have anything right now. Okay, thanks. Uh, uh, Raymond alluded to it earlier that, um, um, you know, the consultant is working on focus corridors and, and focus um, bike infrastructure uh, for the near term. Um, so that I think I think people will be interested to see, uh, you know, what those are, what, what, what areas um, of focus um, that they are. It's it's in work, and um, I think our next meeting is in November. But we can have a a, a topic dedicated to this at the September meeting, like you said. Great, thanks. All right, moving on to commissioner member communication. So this is an opportunity for all commissioners to provide brief reports and updates. I will just say that there's been a lot of good news lately. And I'm really excited about it. The passing the transit millage was big. Ending parking minimums was big. The AAATA long range plan is big. Uh, there's a lot of really exciting stuff coming, it seems like, for Ann Arbor. And I, I've got quite a bit of hope for the near to midterm future of our transportation. So just thanks to everyone who has put in a lot of hard work to make all of these things happen. I know that it's we have these moments of success, but there's a ton of invisible work that goes into it. So thank you to everyone who has worked on these things. Um, next up is the call for agenda items. So um, Raymond's gonna give us a sense of what we've got coming in the next few months. And then if there are other things people want to add to that list, we can talk about them briefly. Yeah, so the carryover items we have from this month will be the capital improvement plan. We'll be back with that recommendation. Uh, we'll also bring back the bylaws and ordinance amendment, uh, as we mentioned. And then, as we also alluded to, we'll come back and give you an overview of the Vision Zero implementation plan slash Michigan Fitness Foundation Pet Safety Campaign, uh, and share some of the materials that were shared last night. Um, a couple of things that we don't know if they'll hit, hit next month or the month after. Um, the crash report, the data did drop for uh, calendar year 2021. Uh, we've uploaded that into our GIS, and so now we just need to take it and interpret it um, and kind of synthesize it and bring it back to you. So that might happen next month or October. Um, Platte Road reconfiguration, uh, we expect that to come back to you soon. As I mentioned in the staff report, State and Hill will come back to you maybe September or October. Um, and then some new thing, a new thing that you might not be aware of is we are coordinating with uh, the Washtenaw Area Transportation Study or WATS, which is our kind of MPO for the area, Metropolitan Planning Organization. Uh, they help 
manage federal funds. These are the formula funds, not the discretionary funds that I referred to earlier. So we thought this might be of interest to you all. You, you haven't really gotten an update from Watts before. So this might be an opportunity to bring in Ryan Buck, who is uh, the head of that organization to kind of give an overview about, you know, what kind of federal funds come, how those funds are allocated across, you know, Ann Arbor and Washtenaw County and Ipsy, so forth and so on. Um, just so you have an appreciation for what that looks like. So, um, so those are the things we're tracking for next month, possibly. Thanks. Any other agenda items? And as always, you are welcome to email these to us um, at any time. Erica. This is a, um, I guess I just like to bring this up as a point of discussion and, and to think about for next year and also kind of evolution. Um, there's also a council committee that's like a school transportation safety committee, which since I've been on council has, has yet to meet. Um, and it just dawned on me that I'm about to get my inboxes inbox flooded likely with back to school transportation issues. Um, now I know that these um, are likely conversations that are already happening internally in terms of coordination between transportation staff and APD about kind of what traffic management and enforcement is going to look like coming back into the school year. But um, and, um, it there is a seat for Liz Margolis here. I can understand kind of in terms of prioritization of time, um, you know, not, not coming to, to all of um, the transportation commission meetings. Um, I just wonder if there might be an opportunity kind of thinking about in future years, um, you know, having a subcommittee or something that focuses on, on this um, and thinks also a little globally around the safe routes to school stuff. Um, maybe dissolving that other committee that doesn't seem to be, um, functioning so much, or at least having maybe a report annually in August about kind of what the what the plan is on transportation stuff, you know, what's maybe a little bit an evaluation at some point in the year about how we're moving forward around school safety. So I've been wanting I've been wanting some way for us to be engaging on the school stuff as the commission. Um, it's so the school board meetings are at the same time as these commission meetings. However, they, I don't think they meet during the summer and we still have not had any attendance from Commissioner Margolis. I, I don't know the solution here. So I would love your help, Erica and others thinking of answers, but um, there's a lot of school related transportation issues. And I think it'd be great if we could be at least um, more connected, if not actively engaged in what's going on there. So yeah, I and I yeah, and I don't say this to you know call out um, Commissioner Markolis necessarily, but to to maybe use that time productively so that we were able to draw in and, and interact with the school in a way that um, sort of fe feels meaningful and a good use of time and yeah. moves, uh, moves our goals forward. I've inquired too about having someone else come as a representative of, of the schools if it really doesn't you know some some way to build more connection, um, and I welcome suggestions. I don't know the answer. Um, but yeah, we can add that to the list for sure. Um, all right. I'm not seeing any other hands for agenda items. Uh, our next meeting is scheduled for Wednesday, September 21st at 7 p.m. It will be a virtual meeting. And if there are no objections, uh, I will adjourn tonight's meeting. Uh,
All right, this meeting is adjourned. Thanks so much, everyone. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Thank you. Thanks.